This is Stereoactive Presents. I'm your host, Jeremiah McVeigh, and in this episode, I'm joined by Charles Henshaw to discuss the debut film written and directed by Celine Song. Past Lives stars Greta Lee, Tao Yu, and John Magaro as the three sides of a romantic triangle that spans decades and continents. In just a moment, you'll hear my review of the film, followed by my discussion with Chuck. There are thin and thick lines running through every life. These may run through personal situations or society as a whole. Celine Song's Past Lives explores the intersection of at least a few such lines. There's the sometimes thin line between the platonic and the romantic. Then there are the often thicker lines between times and places that separate moments by decades and people by continents and oceans. Greta Lee stars as Nora, an immigrant from South Korea to New York City by way of Toronto, who reconnects with an old friend from her youth named Hai Sung, played by Tao Yu, who was coincidentally already trying to reconnect with her. Their early 2010 Skype calls seemed to be drifting toward the romantic side of the aforementioned thin line before they're paused for a reassessment that never comes, and they both continue their lives outside of the bubble they'd constructed for themselves. Eventually, they meet up in person again, but Nora is now married to Arthur, played by John Magaro. A tension amongst all three ensues that raises questions about the nature of the trio's internal, interpersonal relationships as well as their identities and how they've become the people they are. The strength of past lives comes from the way it deftly flirts with ideas such as fate, culture, ethnicity, and especially through its brief but essential opening scene, projection of self. Each idea or subject is teased in such a way that it naturally unravels in front of your eyes without ever seeming contrived or really to even announce itself. Consequently, you are already thinking about each idea before you realize you are, just as happens so often in life. The final result is a sublimely crafted story that only improves with subsequent viewings. From this point on, we may discuss elements of the plot that some would consider spoilers, so if you don't want to know anything about the movie now, you may want to come back and listen to this another time. So, Chuck, mm -hmm. what were your initial thoughts on past lives? I really enjoyed it. I thought about it a lot in terms of, I guess, like a, a type of story or maybe like a type of genre or something where I thought about it as like, okay, this is kind of, it reminds me of some sort of European art cinema or maybe even uh, uh, Asian art cinema, um, like maybe an early uh, Kurosawa or something like that. Um, and I was sort of processing as I was watching, like, this is very simple. Yeah. And is it too simple? Uh, and... I don't believe it is. I think I ultimately came out on the, the side of the, that it's not. Um, but 
it's I don't know. I, I watch so many movies now as a kind of research into a time period. Um, and I really watch a lot of older movies and kind of try and gauge the style and the standards of a certain period of film. And so when watching kind of new stuff and especially new stuff, that's that's simple and elegant like this, um, it's obviously a very compelling narrative and a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also is something that I don't fully know what to think in a way. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's, it's, and I don't, uh, I, uh, I guess maybe I'll just sort of leave it there for now. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's, it's, it's a jumble, yeah. it's a jumble of feelings and, and thoughts. Yeah. Um, well, as I hinted at in, at the end of the review, um, mm-hmm. I've seen it twice now because I watched it, right. I don't know, a month or two ago. And then when we mm-hmm. talked about watching it for this discussion, I was like, I need to watch this again. And I was yeah. glad to because I really enjoyed it the first time. But I mm-hmm. I do think I was sort of in a similar place of like, not not that this is exactly what you're saying, but like sort of like, why do I like this? What is what is it? <laughs> sure. What, what about it? What is good about it? Because it, it is. Mm-hmm. um seemingly simple i think on the surface i i I would i would push past that though and say it's subtle but deep i think right is is what i think it is um i because like like i said in the review too i think it's like it's not trying to hit you over the head with anything it's sort of like it just exists for you to observe in a way that is refreshing because not a lot of movies are made confidently enough that they trust you to observe what they want you to observe or even yeah. like kind of like a range of things for you to observe. Cause I'm sure that mm. another person who's going to watch this as with any great movie, I think um, is going to take away something at least subtly different, if not wholly different or dramatically different. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just, like I said, what I, what I appreciated about the movie is that it, yeah, it did so much with so seemingly little when I'm sure it was actually a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that's one of the things that kind of makes m- my mind turn on some of these questions is I know how hard it is to make a movie yeah. and I know uh, how difficult it is to write a movie. So when something like this gets made, right, there's there's, <laughs> a, there's a sort of instinct in me to kind of think about the filmmaker and think about the sort of the passion and the dedication she had to have to tell this story. And, you know, I think confidence, that's what I was saying too. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think you really have to have a confidence in what you're doing to like allow it to be so seemingly simple as you were saying, or subtle as I was saying, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and that, you know, one can, choose a variety of different ways to make a movie you can make it short you can make it or tell a story rather mm-hmm. make it short uh make it a podcast write a book uh you know tv show whatever comedy drama whatever so to sort of 
make the decisions that she's made um, and put something together that is really interesting. I, I, I think maybe there's an element of like, in a way I'm kind of newly, like, I don't know, like blown away again by the seeing the the magician pull the rabbit out of the hat, right. so to speak, yeah. <laughs> you know, where I'm like, wow, someone really just like put that together and like made it work. And then, you know, one of the reasons I was so interested in seeing this film is it's really benefited quite a bit from word of mouth. Yeah. Um, it's not something that I saw ads for or even knew what it was about. I just kept hearing about it and seeing it written up and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think the experience that I was able to have because we were able to go to all those film festivals for a couple of years um, had also sort of challenge or I shouldn't um, affects how I see a movie like this, because I, I, I'm, I know I did, and I'm sure you did too, like sat in the theater and watched a lot of indie yeah. movies with supposedly simple stories and subtle direction that didn't always hit the mark. Or if they did, like, especially with stuff we would see at Tribeca, that was like the only place you would ever see it. Right. And they, they like wouldn't get bought or they wouldn't get talked about or whatever. And we would see, there was definitely things I saw there that I was like, this, this is great. And yeah. I don't know why. And why did no one buy this and put it out? Yeah. 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 So, um, I think there's also elements of the non, like the film business stuff that's maybe going through my mind as well of like, wow, this is sort of amazing that this came out the other side of all of that. That's a good point. And, uh, and you know, has the life that it does and, you know, is getting awards recognition and, and people are talking about it and all that sort of thing. I would really love to see Celine's song get, recognize as much as possible at this point mm -hmm. though, because I, I think this is one of my favorite movies of the year and mm -hmm. as we were saying earlier i think she's just done like sort of a remarkable thing in the restraint that she confidently shows in in yeah. filmmaking that she doesn't it seems like she she knows she doesn't have to hit you over the head with, right. with her themes and points and stuff. yeah they're there it's also impressive that it's her first movie exactly that's what i mean um, especially like the confidence yeah. of a first time feature filmmaker to, right. to pull that off yeah sorry go ahead yeah no that was i mean i was just very surprised because for some reason i was like oh that name sounds familiar and i must have been thinking of somebody else because i was like i've never <laughs> there's nothing else to have seen and and i mean maybe some stuff for tv i think but yeah. um you know overall not much uh, to sort of go off of, which was really impressive. Right. Um, that that she made that happen. Yeah, yeah. So as I mentioned in my review, I thought mm -hmm. that the opening scene kind of, I, I, I think it like subtly pushes the movie to the next level mm -hmm. in a way, because it, it sets up this like very quick framing device of, like, who the hell are these people? What right. is all this? And it, I, I just think it's like a masterful stroke um, mm -hmm. that I think the movie could have existed without that scene. 
yeah. but it would have just been like enough less that I, I think it elevates it so much just for being there. So yeah. I don't know. Did it hit you like that? Or am I making something out of nothing? No, I, th- I don't think you are. I think that to the point of the film and our sort of speaking of its subtlety, it, it provides a way in for an audience that I think does probably things like this all the time, right? You're always out and about and people watching and yeah. kind of guessing at relationships and stuff. And it, it it's definitely a cool way to um, introduce people to characters from a perspective of audience and not, yeah. I don't know, like the omniscient narrator right, or right. camera or whatever. Um, and even so, set yeah, up some like really stereotypes cool. to kind of like overcome mm-hmm. in a way, you know? Right. And I wonder how much there is like a, a, a thought process of, you know, non-Korean people are going to be watching this and, you know, that sort of, you know, kind of let's put ourselves with them right at the beginning and then take it out of themselves and put it into the other characters and that sort of thing. Right. Um, I think it was probably on her mind because the character is a writer of, um, you know, like the same subject matter of being uh, an immigrant and, um, all that kind of goes along with that. Right. Um, Which is, you know, I've, I remember us talking about, what was that movie with Paul Giamatti and Catherine Hahn? Somehow I knew you were going to bring this up. Uh, uh, (laughs) Private life. Was that what it was called? Yeah. About they're trying to get pregnant and then end up using his niece as a surrogate. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. though. Um, So yeah, my, my issue usually is that people write character like normal quote unquote normal characters and writers make them writers. Right. Uh, and it's this um, sometimes like it feels a little too close to home or something or, or like a, a kind of, they weren't sure what other profession to kind of delve into and, the profession actually doesn't totally matter. So just make them a writer, <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying that's what's I'm, I think the film is sort of autobiographical to a certain degree. Um, Private life. So, you mean? No, this one, this one, I think uh, both. Yeah. Past lives. Yeah. 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 So it makes sense to sort of model the character after mm-hmm. herself. Um, but that is a sort of, if there's anything that I um, I was unsure about with this movie, it was some of those indie tropes. Yeah, that I think you see, and I do think that a lot of indie movies are like made by auteurs, and the the char- the main characters are creative in some fashion, whether they're like filmmakers or writers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kind of minutia of their lives is sort of bulldozed over for the sake of this kind of larger story, which I understand the economy of storytelling and, you know, you're not, you're not going to go into everything. Um, but it, it tends to be things that I 
think about while I'm watching. I'm kind of like, oh, I wonder what's going on there. Um, and the other thing that I wasn't so sure about the husband character and the way that he was written as being so sort of meek. And I guess I didn't read it that way, but go ahead. I just I think what I realized I was thinking about it and I was like, what 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 bothered me about that? One thing is that I find jealousy to be a really boring emotion mm-hmm. uh in film. I just like anytime like someone's like over, overly jealous or or even like hidden jealousy that they don't want to show or whatever, like I know that it's a good conflict and it's a good sort of conflict for the actor, it's a good conflict for the story, mm-hmm. but I just sort of I don't connect to it very much. I'm just like, oh whatever. Uh, I sort of get tired when watching it easily. Um, and I, I was wondering if there was maybe another more sort of off, uh, like, like unexpected way he could have been Mm. instead of just so sort of like, yeah, you know, I mean, I love you. I'm not sure if you love me all the time. And, um, you know, you have this guy in your past, and okay, you know, whatever. I guess yeah, it, it like, all just seems so mm-hmm. real to me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, but and and I would maybe agree with you, except that I think the ending sells it. I think him mm-hmm. sitting on the stoop waiting for her because he knows that she's gonna fall apart shows how mm-hmm. close they are and how much yeah. he actually loves her and trusts her, and he was never actually. Yeah in doubt it it was just you know i think that everything that comes up in their private conversations in the movie Mm -hmm. seems realistic to like if you're in this situation i think this is the stuff that if you had a comfortable open relationship with somebody that you could talk about things Mm -hmm. you would talk about those things like if you had a more close i think it actually shows the opposite in a way uh, Mm -hmm. of what you're saying of like it shows how unjealous he is that he can just sort of be like i'm not sure about things sometimes and he feels comfortable to say Mm -hmm. that you know what i mean he feels secure Mm -hmm. enough to be able to say something that like that too yeah i could see that i think there's also something about the kind of halting way that he speaks and the way that some of they have some of the conversations that again is a little bit of to me an indie trope like people do tend to talk much faster and over each other and i mean not everything has to be like a robert altman aaron sorkin you know sort of gab fest but um i do think that again kind of in the absence sometimes it feels like in the absence of a strong choice about something other than that that's like the the default like just let people talk slowly let them sort of work out their feelings in the moment and um and uh but i you know i don't i i think i think everything was done the way she wanted it to be done right it's more just like after you see so many movies you get sort of like tired of some things and you kind of hope that yeah maybe someone would put something more fresh out well this is now reminding me of our of our conversation about coda actually Mm -hmm. where our lost conversation about COVID. <laughs> yeah, I should actually put that one out. Um, <laughs> yeah. But where 
we we talked in, in that conversation we talked a lot about how that movie hit so many indie tropes but we mm-hmm. both enjoyed the movie overall even though we didn't think it was like the greatest movie ever we thought yeah, it was like a good version of the paint by numbers indie feel good movie yeah you know right and it, right. It, it like hit all those things in a satisfying way for the most part i don't think the movie's yeah. i still don't think the movie's amazing i don't I, like i have no like I've had no desire to like go back to it. Really, I've recommended no, I've to never... people who I'm like, I think you'd like this movie, you know. Right, right. Um, but I feel like, in a way, this is like that, where it's like the best possible version of that thing that can mm-hmm. be annoying, um, mm-hmm. as you're pointing out. But I don't think it is annoying here personally, because like I think yeah. it pulls it off, and and it's like this is what it should be. Right. This is what people are often trying to do and not actually achieving. Yeah. And I think that it's it's I think maybe part of my confusion in a way of what I was speaking to earlier is is because of that, because while I'm identifying these things that I would normally be like, oh, this is sort of old hat or whatever. uh, It's working. Yeah. You're not used Uh, to enjoying it, Chuck. You have to let yourself enjoy (laughs) it. I got to let myself just roll with it. Um, Or I did enjoy it at a time and then I saw it so much that I sort of got like um less less into it yeah uh well but yeah like as i was kind of saying before i do think it it, uh if if you i think it holds up on a second viewing and it's Mm -hmm. like like any good movie you are just able to kind of connect with it even deeper um and so i would suggest that maybe if you watched it again like that wouldn't be in your head as much because you know what you're getting into right and like you'd probably would find it even more satisfying than maybe you already did. But, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. I don't rewatch things as much anymore. At least not like new stuff. I hear you. I, there was a time where it was like, you'd see something you liked and, or I would see something I'd like and I would see it multiple times, yeah. uh, or, or, you know, or whatever. But I don't know. Maybe there's just so much to see yeah. that I'm sort of prioritizing things. I haven't, there's seen. a lot out right now. Uh, uh yeah, but yeah, uh, do you, do you have any final thoughts on this movie? I think it's a really good movie, and like I say, I think the premise is really cool. This idea of uh, a past, uh, someone you were infatuated with or potentially infatuated with, and this idea of like reconnecting yeah. and an idea of what could have been. Yeah, and I do like the story structure too. I like that this sort of. 12 year like this sort of middle act or whatever where they kind of try to rekindle something but the distance is too much Mm -hmm. um you know like the 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 gap is too wide and then by the time that they're able to sort of close it there you know it, it the 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 time has passed um so i do really like that structure and um I wonder if it's also a little bit of like a what if, because I think probably everybody has or a lot of people have a version of that person. And it's kind of like, well, what if you were able to reconnect and have these conversations that they are able to have? So Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's really cool. I hope that, you know, it can be viewed as a sort of universal story. I think it's tough because I thought a lot about the like, um, you know, it. There, a lot of it's 
in Korean, but it's not totally. Uh, and I was actually talking to a friend of mine and they were like, past lives, the foreign film. Right. And I was like, well, it's not real. It's just like in a different language, yeah. <laughs> but it, I mean, it's like, it's not, and it's not all in a different language. So, um, I, 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 I kind of like that element too, where it, it, I think it's very universal despite being sort of, um, you know, heavy into a non-American culture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think uh, like in so many cases, a movie like this, that succeeds part mm -hmm. of the reason it succeeds is it knows that by being specific, you can make something mm -hmm. feel universal. Right. Because if you're too vague and wishy-washy about something, it's just like not relatable in the same way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think you're right also to point out like a lot of people just have like a similar story of like what could have yeah. been a long distance well, it, relationship or what if or whatever. So and I think the thing, too, that that I just realized is um, it, when you think of something like The Farewell, which is also, you know, sort of between two cultures. Right. And, you know, not entirely in English, but some of it is and all this stuff. The the sort of a lot of films that sort of have that kind of east to west travel uh, of a person become about like east versus west or the differences in culture and the differences in um, phil philosophy and life and between the two places. And I think what's really cool about this is it doesn't go into that really like yeah. they're sort of just living very similar lives in two very distant, you know, places from each other. Yeah. And um, I, I think that there's like a real, there's something unique about that. Cause usually a, a film like this would maybe hammer again, maybe this speaks to what you were saying about the, the discipline and the restraint Yeah, that, you know, the, the, the filmmaker had to not beat you over the head with something. Yeah. Just kind of let it be. Yeah. I would say that I think the cultural specifics are, they come across as if they're incidental, even though I think that they're probably more important than mm -hmm. is at first recognizable to some, to people, to us, for instance, but right. other people as well. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I do think it's, Obviously, they do touch on things, but yeah, I think you're yeah. right that it doesn't seem to revolve around those in the way a lot of right. movies would. Um, and yeah, and I do think that there's something to that. All right. Well, thank you, Chuck. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Stereoactive Presents, and thank you to our guest, Charles Henshaw. The music in this podcast is composed by Hansdale Sue. My name is Jeremiah Lee McVeigh. If you like what you hear in the show, please rate and review it in Good Pods, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that allows that. Doing so helps us to expand our audience, and it's much appreciated. And please follow us wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. Every little bit helps, and like I said, it is truly appreciated. You can also get in touch with us at stereoactivemedia at gmail.com, and you can find more information about this show and everything else that Stereoactive Media is involved with at stereoactivemedia.com.
This podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media. Stereoactive Media.